Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to New Books in Game Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Rudolf Inderst, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Betty Adamu, the author of Games and Gamification in Market Research, Increasing Consumer Engagement in Research research for Business Success. The publisher is Kogan Page. Before we jump right in, though, I want to let you know that if you like our show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the audio platform of your choice. You're more than welcome to leave feedback or questions on Spotify too. Also, feel free to share this episode with your friends or wherever you see fit. And now back to the show. Games are one of the most engaging medium of all time. They harness storytelling and heuristics, drive emotion and push the evolution of technology in a way that no other platform has or can. It's no surprise then that games and gamification are revolutionizing the market research industry, offering opportunities to renew the notoriously sluggish engagement levels seen in traditional surveying methods. This not only improves data quality, but offers untapped insights unattainable through traditional methods. Games and gamification and market research aims to show how to design research games and gamified surveys that will intrinsically engage participants and how best to use these methods to become and stay commercially competitive. And now I'm very happy to say hello to Betty and welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Rudolph, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course, it's a pleasure. Well, um, I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a bit about yourself. Oh, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Rudolph. Um, so as, as you kindly introduced me there, yes, I'm the author of Games and Gamification in Market Research, which has now been published uh, in uh, three languages. So we've got a Portuguese and Spanish version, as well as the English version as well, which is great. And I've been a researcher for goodness, nearly 16 years um, working in the market research industry. And I was in my early 20s working in the market research industry. I'm a fair bit older than that now. But at the time, I thought, you know what, these surveys that we're sharing with all these people around the world for feedback, they really don't look or feel like anything else on the internet at that time. Um, you know, the internet was moving on. We had Facebook, right? You know, MySpace had had come and gone. Foursquare was big at the time. And these surveys just looked really kind of old and traditional. And I thought, you know what, there is surely a better way to communicate with people. Um, And I was a big gamer. And so I thought, what is so engaging about the video games that I play? 
And how can I apply some of those things to surveys so that they're more engaging for people to do? And that's how the whole idea about research games came along. That's when I invented research games and I started my company, Research for Gaming, at around 24 years of age. And I'm really, I feel incredibly privileged to have worked with some fantastic clients designing gamified surveys and research games uh, for them that go out to their participants all around the world. Mm. Now, of course, we have to check for your Ludo, Ludo Street credibility. <laughs> As you have told us you're a big gamer, so well, well. Please tell us, what's your favorite game and the one or even the ones you're playing right now? Well, I'm afraid, Rudolf, um, to disappoint your reader slightly because... <laughs> Your, your listeners rather, because I I get, okay, so I, I'm going to be really honest here. I get really addicted to games. So I actually have to go through periods where I wean myself <laughs> off playing games because I, because otherwise I get really into it and I, and I don't get anything else done. Um, so um, the last, uh, well, so, okay. So that my favorite game is World of Warcraft. That is just, standard but more recently i ended up replaying super mario 3 um a, a neighbor of mine has like uh, loaded all these retro games um onto raspberry pi and i had discovered like new worlds and levels that i had never seen before um so that was really exciting actually um but yeah i have to say like World of Warcraft was what I was playing actually at the time when I was starting my business. It was the game that I based a lot of my ideas on, on what an intrinsically engaging game experience should be. Um, and so, yeah, that was my big one. The other one I found really addictive is Goddess Farmville. Um, I mean, yeah, there's been there's been a lot over the years. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder then in a world where brands and organizations are increasingly interested in the feelings and context that drive consumer choices, games and gamification and market research gives readers the skills to use the components in games to encourage play and observe consumer behaviors as well. So um, before we start, and you have already started to mention it briefly, before we start our deep dive, uh, though, please tell our listeners, how did you come to write this this very book in the first place? Oh, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, so when I, when I started Research Free Gaming, I was about an, a year or so into, into the process. So I had done a huge amount of my own independent primary and secondary research on, I guess you could say, the validity of gamification as an approach in market research. I'd done research with children, with focus groups. I had done like some online um, like tests and, and surveys just to kind of test the waters, if you like. Um, and, and by by the time I was a year and a half in, I'd also had a couple of clients. So I had actual case studies. And so I thought, I, I, I really, I have to put all of this insight and information in one place because for a year and a half, a lot of people were interested in what I was doing. I was being invited to meetings everywhere. I was being invited to keynote at conferences. I was traveling, literally traveling the world talking about what I what I did and it was very exciting but I thought I really want to put all this information in one place I want to have a one-stop shop for people to understand the theory the science and my um my approach to what I would consider to be a best practice design the ethical considerations how you even how would you even go about building a gamified survey right like from the technological perspective so I wanted everything in one place so I decided to write a book and I had been in the process for something like six or seven months and um, a friend of mine who is um, uh, somebody who actually reviewed the book, she wrote the foreword to the book, her name is uh, Dr. Annie Pettit. She was like, you know what, 
I want to have you send me like uh, different chapters of the book when you're finished, um, you know, to kind of review as I go along, which was great. Um, But then I got the idea um, with a professor at the University of Winchester, which is here in the UK, to start a PhD, which was really exciting because he had read some of my work. He had um, helped, he'd actually co-wrote and published a white paper with me. And he said, you know what, you've got some really exciting grounds here for a PhD, which would actually make any book that you're writing going to be even richer. Have you thought about doing a PhD? And up until that point, I hadn't at all. Like I left university with only a foundation degree. I didn't have a master's degree or anything. So of course I'd never considered a PhD. Um, and then uh, after that, um, you know, he said, look, you know, if you if you do like the idea of doing a PhD, we can submit what you've written so far and, and you can go through the process that a PhD student would do, right? You can prepare the appropriate presentations and, and things like that. And I did. Um, I remember I had to present a 10-minute talk on my PhD approach in terms of the research, the impact I thought it was going to have, all of that stuff. And I had to present it to a panel of academics at the University of Winchester. And I worked incredibly hard on that for, for many months. And so I did the presentation and all three said yes to me doing a PhD. So that was amazing. And so I'd been doing the PhD for just over the a year. It was a fantastic time for me to be able to have focused time to do secondary research and primary research. Um, I, I, I read anything and everything I could on on games and intrinsic engagement and motivation and avatars, like anything and everything to do with games. Um, and I was happy to do my PhD and continue with it. Um, unfortunately my dad passed away um and so I had like a year of extenuating circumstances where I'd you know just taken some time to grieve uh do what needed to be done and then when I was ready to go back and continue the PhD um unfortunately my lead supervisor who was the one who encouraged me to begin with had uh, was going to retire and my other supervisor was going to New Zealand so it was a and any anybody who studied with supervisors will will understand that you build relationships with them you know and so it wasn't going to be quite the same so I decided you know what that's a good place to pause I won't I won't carry on doing the PhD and I will now that I had actually done even more reading and and things like that I will I will add it to the book anyway during this time somebody from Kogan Page Publishing um, who's no longer with the with the company, but um, she she had been following me on a few social media um, accounts, um, and I didn't know that she was following me. But then I I, I um, saw her name, and uh, she reached out to me and said, "Look, I I can see that you've started a PhD and that you've paused it. I can see that you were writing a book. I would really love to meet you and talk to you about writing a book on what you do." And so I went and I met her and I uh, ag- I agreed. I said yes to writing the book with Kogan Page. And yeah, and that and that that's how it went. So it was very um, squiggly. It wasn't like a direct path to I want to write a book. And then I went to a publisher and that was it. It was a little bit round the houses, as we say here in the UK. But um, actually nothing from that experience was wasted. I'm really glad I did start the PhD. Um, it helped me to focus a lot of my thinking and what I wanted to achieve. It helped to um, add a lot more richness and depth to my writing. Um, and and yeah, I'm really glad that it went the way it did. Round the houses. I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good phrase. Yeah. yeah. Well, through you, through four parts, your book explores then the theory, concepts, and evidence for using games, gamification, and playful approaches in online research and encourages independent experimentation in game-based research design. So how does your lecture onboarding for your readers start exactly? 
sorry, Rudolf, could you repeat that question again? How does what, sorry? So, uh, sorry, yeah. So how does your lecture onboarding for your readers start exactly? Where do you where do you start with all these fascinating topics and themes? How do you, do you even uh, give structure to it? And where's your entry point here? Because it's so, you know, it's so exciting, but it's on the same time, it's so, so much. I was wondering <laughs> yeah. where where's your, where's your kickoff? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll start I'll start by saying this. So I wanted to make sure that anybody buying this book who was interested in applying gamification to market research was going to have everything at their fingertips from start to finish. And I mean, I think the one of the useful things to appreciate here is that there are a lot of different ways to conduct market research. There are depth interviews, there are focus groups, there are people knocking on your door with a survey, uh, there are online questionnaires, there are ways to get feedback through social media. And so each one of those methods will have countless books, countless webinars, countless um, white papers. And so I thought that I wanted this book to at least take the reader from the very start, which is just really understanding what gamification is, right? And right the way through to, okay, how do we now design a gamified survey? How do we start implementing a gamified survey from a technical perspective? So that's why there are these four worlds in my book. There's there's that uh, part one, which is the world of understanding. That's all about what is gamification, what's the science and psychology um, about it, and and why does it why could it be a good fit? with online market research, because actually there's a lot of similarities between doing an online survey and playing an online game. And then part two is all about the design. Okay, so how are we designing um, a game for research? What are the things that we need to consider, the the, the, the vocabulary, the ethics, um, and, and then uh, part three is about making a gamified survey. So um, as I mentioned earlier, some of those technical aspects, but also information about how what's the best way to play test, right? What's the best way to maintain a good design? And then part four is about the future. Okay, so now we're saying, right, you've hopefully gone from not knowing what gamification is at all to now designing your own designing and making your own gamified survey but what about the future where could gamification take the whole market research and insight industry in the next 5 to 10 years um and in that last part of the book i make a number of predictions about the future of data collection with playful and game like experiences and i basically predicted something that ended up being the metaverse because i was talking about having these kind of um stable game like systems that you could dip in and out of in order to observe behaviors and collect data and that's where really a lot of the future of kind of gamified data collection is going to go and so that's why the book has been structured the way it is because a lot of the people who I knew were going to read it would be market researchers who've maybe heard about gamification but have not really ever maybe played video games maybe they don't know what those playful experiences are like maybe they don't really get games maybe they've never taken part in a gamified activity before so I knew that in the book I had to actually explain the thing before even getting into the benefits for online questionnaires and improving data reliability mm. so could you please tell our listeners then what what led you to the to the invention of research games in the first place and and where else are we seeing uh, these kinds of sorts of interactions outside of market research? Oh God, absolutely. So I was aware um, from a very uh, from the start actually that this this method of doing research didn't exist. 
So I had invented a new approach to doing an online survey. So that's why I called them research games, because we've got like our advert games, right? Our advertising games, our marketing games. We've got edu games, so educational games. We've got exa games, which are like exercise games. So I thought that, well, we've got this vocabulary out there, right, to describe games in other industries. Why not use the term research games? Um, and so um, having invented this terminology and the, the design approaches and even a lot of the technology at the time, which um, my team and I created, it, it, we, it didn't literally didn't exist. So, so we had to make a lot of the tech ourselves and the software. Um, it was really... It was really ahead of its time because nowadays, of course, we've got so many game engines, right, like Steam, that allow you, allow anyone, right? You don't even have to be a developer to drag and drop elements and design a game. And those games will have data collection running through it because you get all sorts of analytics, right? But at the time, when I uh, created Research Through Gaming, we're talking like 2010, 2011, nothing like that had existed. And if it did, it was in its very, very early forms that wouldn't have been very suitable for what I was trying to do with my clients. Um, So since then, we can really say that research games are everywhere because there is there is. There are so many video games out there now, online games that collect data that is that goes beyond just kind of like when did somebody log in and how long did they they play right there's all sorts of analytics on on the choices that people make within a game and of course how that might impact how a game or a story unfolds the level of analytics is now more sophisticated than it's ever been so really we can say that a lot of existing games now collect data that is then potentially used for research purposes. But then on the other side, there is more and more types of um, kind of like social media questionnaires um, that are being, I guess, gamified in their approach. So they're a lot more playful. They might have like different levels. They might have lots of, uh, they might have like uh, avatars being included. They might have a story that unfolds. So actually, the what I would think of as a research game is really being used in so many more places now, which is actually great, I think. Yeah. Well, customer data, that's a seems to be a, a key term of your work then. And this is really exciting because the term itself and the concept behind it and the 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 method of collecting uh customer data is some sort of red hot one, especially here in Germany, the discussion is is really heating up. So the collection and evaluation of data is increasingly viewed critical over here, at least. How do you how do you deal with this issue? Um, well, collecting customer data in itself is not an issue. It's it's the ethics and the approach around it, and actually, that's where I think that a game based approach to online research is really effective because when we play games we are given really clear instructions um a good a good a well-designed game will not leave us feeling confused or or unsure about what to do next games are really good at letting us know exactly what we need to do and giving us feedback on how well we've done and what we need to do to improve by contrast a lot of traditional market research surveys um, have got confusing elements. They have questions that are very open to ambiguity. They might not be very clear in how your data is going to be used or the expectations around how long the survey is going to take. So by implementing a game approach to online surveys, what I'm actually doing as well is making things very, very clear for the participant in what I'm expecting from them, what I think that they need to do, they need to be doing next, what's going to be done with their data, how their data will be used, how long their data will be stored so that that kind of clarity in that approach that you get in games is something that I adopt whenever I'm designing a research game or indeed if I'm consulting 
for a client in how they can improve the design of their survey. Because the the, the problem that I'm trying to address with, with online surveys is not just about low engagement with surveys. It's about the poor data quality that derives from people being unengaged. Because if you're doing an online survey, right, and it's and some of the questions are confusing or it's not really clear or the or the the user experience just isn't very good and it's not very engaging then you're not going to want to share really thoughtful and detailed responses in that survey that a company can then use to make business decisions what tends to happen is that we get these quite poorly designed and poorly worded surveys people just write whatever they want they write like gobbledygook right they just button mash and then they speed uh, through the survey or they just completely close it down at all so then you get a lot of data that is unreliable because there's going to be companies looking at this and going this this data is just unusable right so what i what i really wanted to address is Let's make sure that we've got hugely interested and engaged participants so that they are invested in being thoughtful in how they respond, what kind of data they give in these online surveys so that brands who are using that data can direct their finances right in a way that's going to make sense because that data is going to inform everything right if you don't have good quality data good quality feedback from the back of a survey you can't do anything with that so the key is getting participants engaged in the research process and how do we engage them in the research process? How do we even engage them in conversations about what is done with their data? We've got to make it intrinsically engaging. And games are so good at intrinsically engaging people. So my approach to using gamification is a means to an end, right? I'm not just using gamification to just make a survey look more colourful or, or just make it fun. It's about that engagement that ensures that fantastic data quality that businesses can rely on. Now, let's talk about serious games then for a little bit. How would you define them and why are they relevant in your framework? Sure. So in my book, I try to make the distinction, or I do make the distinction rather, between gamification and a serious game, right? So I think although a lot of those um, approaches are very fluid nowadays, um, I think it is important to have vocabulary around what the different approaches are, right? So let's say, for example, that, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, I want to feel more motivated in... Um, getting up really early in the morning and doing my work and um, going for a run in the afternoon and things like that. There are ways that I can gamify my life. So including levels and challenges and rewards and things like that to gamify my experience to ensure that I do the things that I want to do. I do wake up early in the morning. I do have a workout in the afternoon. I eat healthy, all of that kind of stuff. So That's me applying the more, I guess you could say, superficial elements of games like points and badges and rewards to try to make something that isn't a game feel more playful and game-like, right? But on the other hand, you've got serious games. And serious games are fully-fledged game experiences that have been designed as games from the start to um, support someone in changing their behavior in some way, right? Or, or maybe it's right. a learning experience. So a really fantastic example of a serious game is actually the game Monopoly, which, of course, everybody knows all around the world. Monopoly was originally called The Landlord's Game, and it was designed by a woman called Lizzie McGee. And Lizzie McGee wanted a game to kind of help bring awareness and educate people in essentially the unfairness of land ownership and and more broadly, I guess you could say, like a, capital, a capitalist system. Um, now, of course, if you're playing a well-designed serious game, then it 
then it can be played not just for your intended users, but by anybody, right? So mm. that is a really fantastic example of a serious game. So it was designed as a game from the start to the finish to help people change their behavior, change their thinking or something like that. So that's really the difference between something that's gamified and a fully fledged serious game. And so when it comes to what I do in terms of using game-based approaches for online research and questionnaires, I can, again, use as many or as or as uh, few game approaches as I like, right? So I might say, okay, here's a survey that I'm going to gamify. And you know what? It's quite engaging as it is. Maybe it could have some improvements in certain areas. Let me see if applying some more superficial game techniques might help. But ultimately, it still looks and feels like a survey. Whereas when I'm designing a research game, I'm designing it as a full game experience from the start, where pe- where where I'm encouraging crucially a sense of play, right? Because that's really a massive difference in how the user feels. We play games, but we take part in gamified systems. Um, so a really good way to think about that is that when, you, when you're doing your shopping and you get points, right? There are a lot of organizations now that give you points whenever you do your shopping, right? When mm-hmm. you are taking mm-hmm. part in that system, in that loyalty um, point system, Do you really feel like you're playing a game? Probably not. You're aware that you're taking part in a loyalty program that gives you points and badges and rewards, so therefore it's a gamified system, but do you feel like you're playing? No. Whereas the moment we start to feel like we are playing, then we can talk about the structure of that thing as a game. So, for example, I have had participants give me voluntary feedback to say, I really enjoyed playing that game. That was a great game to play. So they're actually using language that indicates to me that, yes, I have created a game. And because they are playing, that in itself has huge benefits in market research. Because when we play, we give we have an opportunity to express our true selves and our true thoughts and feelings without a fear of being judged or a fear of failure and we when we play we we play in spaces that we feel safe so actually that is a really um fascinating area on its own academically but certainly for me as a as a designer it's an amazing thing to know that people feel safe and they are feeling that they are playing a game and that play is allowing them to express their true thoughts and feelings and their true selves. Hmm. You do also discuss the possibilities for game-based research with other technologies. What specifics do you have in mind here? Oh, goodness. Well, game-based game, a game-based approach to research and more widely data collection is can be used anywhere and everywhere right so if we think about like games that are used for learning and education right there's so many mm. platforms out there one of the most popular being duolingo so duolingo is a gamified mm-hmm. app that helps you learn languages um but of course when any user is taking part in that gamified platform Data is obviously going to be collected on how they're playing that game. And so those game-based approaches to data collection can be used in anything and everything that can and is being gamified. Because the moment you include gamification elements, you need to give people feedback. Feedback is a is a absolutely integral part of playing a game and a game can't tell you how many points you've earned or what level you're on or what badge you should get unless it's collecting data from you right so those game-based approaches to data collection can be used anywhere and everywhere where where something can be gamified yeah we took it all we brought them to our land An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the 
You uh, you end your book then by taking a closer look at the let's say strategic rescue mission in order to solve possible research problems in the future. So what can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, I was um, I was feeling very grandiose when I wrote that, but you know what? I do still feel very strongly that using gamification in all forms of market research can help the entire market research and consumer in, insight industry at large. Um, and actually, I'll just draw on a recent conversation that I had with a colleague. Um, so this is somebody that's worked in the market research industry most of his adult life. And we were talking about the evolution of dashboards, right? So this is so this is a, mm. a piece of software where a researcher can go and see the feedback and results and the data that have come through an online survey. Um, and in market mm. research, we talk a lot about these dashboards and making them really easy for clients to use. We talk about ChatGPT now and AI, but none of this is going to work until participants are engaged in the research process because you can go out and design the most amazing dashboard to display research data for a research buyer but if none of that data is actually reliable or valid because the participants have not been engaged at all then it's a huge waste of time and money right so the key is making sure that participants are engaged in the process in the first place. And actually, by, by using games, um, we, can, we can think about how, like, we can, we can think about how to adopt the elements of AI that games have been using for years, right? I mean, that for years, we've been able to play a video game and talk to an NPC, right, a non-player character, right? Well, why can't we yeah. in the market research world talk to um, an avatar that represents a, a consumer segment, right? Um, a segment of my students, a segment of my customers. And that 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 avatar being like filled in with data that is reliable and i can talk to it so there's so there's lots of ways that we can borrow from games to have more more interesting conversations in the future um i think um but yeah in terms of that overall rescue mission um I mean, we're talking about using game-based... Uh, I mean, people have been talking about using um, the metaverse, for example, in market research. People have been talking about uh, virtual reality, right? But just because you're a, a research participant in the metaverse, it doesn't mean you're going to be any more or less engaged in the research process than if you were doing a survey on your laptop. So again, this is where we need that intrinsic engagement that games can give us. Um, I mean, I was speaking at a conference in November, and the whole conference was about using the metaverse for market research. And it really struck me that there are games that people play on their laptops that are so engaging that they will play for hours and hours on end. But when people take part mm. in an online survey, traditionally, they'll lose interest after five minutes. So the platform, the technology, in a lot of ways, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're using a laptop. It doesn't matter if you're in the metaverse. It doesn't matter if you're using virtual reality. What matters is 
good a good research experience and engaging research design that is going to ensure that participants give the best quality data and their attention as humanly possible so that's where i think that the game based approach is really a rescue mission because i see a lot of time and money wasted on experiments with all of this new technology but ultimately it falls down because people haven't thought about actually engaging the participant in the first place and that's where things need to change mm. i always like to ask my guests for a little uh, meta reflection so What aspects and ideas would you have loved to include in your book that did not make the cut? And secondly, and I'm really excited to ask that one, where do you see digital game studies or digital game research um, as a field in general at the moment? Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer the uh, earlier question. So, oh, goodness, that's a really good question. Like, What didn't make the cut or what could I... Well, what something I really wanted to do actually was gamify the process of reading my book. I had this hmm. idea that you had almost like this creature um, in chapter one that is kind of like this, um, you know, uh, I think I called it something like the cynic monster Or like, um, oh, Skeptosaurus, that's what I called it, like a really sceptical creature, Skeptosaurus, somebody who doesn't get gamification in research. They're very, very sceptical because at the time I was meeting a lot of people that were sceptical, but the moment that they spoke to me or they saw what I was doing, they, they got it completely, right? So my idea yeah. was to try to replicate that thing that I'd experienced so much in the real world in the book so one idea the idea I had was that you have this creature called Skeptosaurus in chapter one but by the time you get to the end this creature has like evolved into this beautiful highly intelligent creative being um mm. and that you could kind of follow along the evolution of the monster in the uh, or, or the creature should I say in the companion website um, but that idea was scrapped because the publisher, and, you know, rightly so, you know, they felt that like including that might have just lengthened the whole process of like preparing the manuscript and, and the editing process and things like that. So we scrapped that idea. But that's something I really, really loved and I thought was actually going to help bring some of those gamification principles to life. So if I could go back and do the book again, I think I would have pushed harder to include my little Skeptosaurus creature. <laughs> That's a nice idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to answer, well, what was your second yeah. question? How do you see the, 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 the general field of digital game research at the moment from, from your perspective? Um. So so do you mean research into digital games as a whole or do you mean research into gamified surveys? Um I had the first one in mind but I think it would be it would be also a good question if you if you'd include the the second aspect in your answer yeah sure because you're the you're the expert and it's a great <laughs> pleasure to have you on here right? <laughs> um so yeah okay so yeah um so in terms of research in digital games as a whole, um, I mean, we're at a really exciting time. Um, and I think actually in the games industry, every time is an exciting time, right? Because the games industry pushes innovation and invents new ways to interact and experience so frequently that there's always something new right so in a lot of ways researchers are always playing catch-up right because by the time they've researched and tried to understand one element of digital games digital games have evolved and evolved and evolved uh beyond that so you know we're still trying to understand digital games that use augmented reality we're still trying to understand games that are used in the virtual in virtual reality so i mean let alone the the different types of metaverses out there so it's an incredibly exciting time in in for researchers who are studying and trying to understand the kind of whole spectrum of digital games but i think more focused on i guess what what i do in 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 gamifying surveys and research around that i personally would love to see more research done on 
individual game components and elements. So in my book, although I do talk about the use of avatars and bonus features and music and sound effects, each one of those elements could be an entire book in and of itself, right? So what is the impact of using avatars in a gamified survey? What is the impact of using music and sound effects in a research game experience, um, like a questionnaire that has been gamified? Um, what is the impact of using levels alone, right, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a gamified survey? So I would love to see those individual game elements and components deeply researched and understood. Um, and I think more broadly, that's going to help us when we do have conversations about, OK, let's now start including questionnaires in the metaverse. Well, actually, if we start to understand the impact of different game elements and components and mechanics, then we can have more confidence when we get, when we when we approach research in all these new technologies that games have afforded us. Um, so, yeah, that's where that's where. I mean, I get quite excited. And I mean, in a lot of ways, um, I think anybody listening to this would be really surprised to know that actually the the amount of researchers out there like me who work in market research that are using gamification for online questionnaires or focus groups, we're actually a really small community. Um, I mean, I think hmm. I can count on like two hands how many of us are actually out there um, because unfortunately gamification in market research hasn't really had the traction that I would like to see. Um, I spoke to an industry colleague the other day who was like, <laughs> she actually said to me, I feel like me, me, you and this one other person are like the only people doing this in, in the world of market research. Um, and it hasn't it hasn't really caught on for a few reasons. And I think it's important for us to even do research and explore those reasons further, because the relationships are are quite so you'll always have a research buyer right so i'm a brand i want to buy survey data that tells me how my brand is doing right is it more or less visible than my competitor um is my product um perceived as more or less value or you know higher value so we've got the research buyer that buys the research. Then we've got the research supplier. So these are agencies that will build the survey, conduct the research, analyze the data, and give it back to the research buyer, right? So when we yeah. talk about gamifying a survey, actually, there are like several layers of relationships to go through before it can even get approved as something to pilot. So not only do you have to onboard a research agency in understanding this method and be willing to at least try it, let alone adopt it, but then that agency needs to go and convince their client, the research buyer, that this is um, a research methodology that is going to work and is going to yield really good results in terms of higher engagement and higher levels of reliability in their data. So I think that that's one of the reasons that gamification in market research hasn't been as big as we'd like it to see, because there is so many kind of traditional ways of doing things and getting people to change out of their mindset or their approaches can be really difficult. But for those people who have adopted gamification market research, um, who have um, been my clients when I've done consultancy, who have been my clients where I've outrightly designed fully-fledged research games for them, we have seen consistently amazing results. 
Um, I think one of the most impressive results I'd ever seen was a 97% completion rate on a research game that I designed on behalf of a UK university, which is unheard of. Um, I've had countless participants email me to say, I wish all surveys could be like this. This was an amazing experience. And my clients who have been over the moon with the more, the more thoughtful and insightful um, responses that they've seen in the day in the data so for those who have used gamification as an approach for market research they've seen really great results um but unfortunately change can take a long time so i'm hoping that in the future there will be not only more research into game elements uh, and game components and their effects on user engagement and participation things like that but actually more people being willing to adopt these methods in the first place. So, Betty, we have taken a lot of your time, but there's always room for one last question. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So please tell us, what, yeah, what are you working on uh, right now? What's your, what's your next project? Well, um, so earlier this year, actually, for the first time in 11 years, I took a short hiatus from research for gaming. Um, I'm someone that is Ooh. brimming with ideas. Um, I've got a lot of different interests. Um, so at the beginning of this year, in January, February and March of 2023, I actually paused all of my work in research for gaming and I published a book of poetry. Um, I had mm. also founded a not-for-profit initiative called the Not Sorry Club, which is aimed at empowering women to be unapologetic um, and did a mm. podcast called Tales of Female Badassery, uh, which is uh, online and available. So I did that earlier this year. And of course, now we're in uh, now we're in July 2023. Um, so I've been working on a number of different client projects for consultancy to help them improve engagement in their research surveys um so that's you know my kind of general client work i guess you could say just like ticking ticking over ticking along um i'm also but yeah some of the bit the big things are um that i'm community chair this year for the gamification europe conference which is happening on the 26th and 27th of october in the netherlands so if you are interested in gamification in all industries, please do come along. It's a two-day event that is going to have amazing talks from designers and researchers and practitioners who are working in, in the games gamification industry in healthcare, finance, research, marketing, like you name it, there's going to be someone there working in, in, in gamification in that field. Um, but also... And although, unfortunately, I can't share what the book is in terms of the title, I am in the process of writing another book, which will be about games. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> then I guess we will see each other or hear each other again. I hope so. Oh, I hope so too, Rudolph. And I really just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on your show. It's it's truly a pleasure. And I'm always very humbled when people want to hear about my work because I appreciate that while the gamification industry is huge, there is literally not one industry that is not being um where gamification is not being included gamification is literally in every industry on the planet um i'm aware that gamification market research is really niche so i i'm always very um humbled when somebody wants to hear about my work so thank you so much for having me on your show yeah i want to also thank you for being on the show today i really enjoyed it so um betty take care and goodbye goodbye for now rudolph thank you so, dear listeners, I hope you like this very episode. If you are an author and or an editor in the field of digital game studies or research yourself and want to talk about your publication, please do not hesitate to contact me under rudolf.indust at googlemail.com. Alternatively, please send me a direct message on social media. I'm sure you will find me under Rudolf Indust almost everywhere. Please share this episode where you see fit. Talk to you soon and goodbye.